Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. I read an immensely powerful piece in the Sunday Independent last weekend from cervical cancer campaigner Vicky Phelan. She wrote it in the, de- in the wake of the death of Limerick woman Ruth Morrissey. This letter was full of passion, full of courage, full of honesty and full of integrity. And in her piece, she's asking the government to prove their values in their actions, not in their words. She calls on the government not to wait until she is dead to do the right thing and the right, the wrongs of the past. I'm going to speak to Vicky in just a minute or two. Before I do, I want to read you an extract from the letter, if I may, for those of you who may not have actually seen it when it was published last weekend. Ruth Morrissey is dead. She knew she would die from this disease. What she didn't know or reckon on was that she would spend the last two years of her life fighting. Let that sink in. Senior officials in government, the Department of Health and the HSE, on the advice of the State Claims Agency, saw fit to use the case of a terminally ill young mother as a test case. Ruth's husband, Paul, issued a statement after her death last Sunday morning. It was devastating and damning. At no point did the HSE or the state ever apologise to Ruth for the ordeal that the state put her through. And now it is too late, he said. When I read Paul's words, my sadness and grief at Ruth's death turned to anger. The same anger I felt two years ago when I was the one in court waiting for an apology, which came too late, and an admission of liability, which never came. Taoiseach Micheál Martin's apology to Ruth in the Dáil last Tuesday was followed by a statement from the CEO of the HSE, Paul Reid, offering an apology to Ruth's husband on the very day of her funeral. I was at that funeral and after it I felt compelled to put down my thoughts as the woman who exposed the cervical check scandal which brought Ruth's case to light. I'm also writing as a woman living with terminal illness who was under no illusion that in a few short years I will also be dead. And I know that many of the very same people who spoke about Ruth after her death will be paying tribute to me and promising the earth, moon and stars in my honour. I am here to tell you now, while I still can, that I don't want your apologies. I don't want your tributes. I don't want your aide de camp at my funeral. I don't want your accolades or your broken promises. I want action. I want change. I want accountability. The words of Vicky Phelan, who joins me on the Nile Boylan show. Vicky, I think that anybody who read that open letter the other day would have, as I do now again, having read it out aloud. Every hair on my body is standing up. I am bristling with, adness, with sadness and also with anger. And I don't think that any of us can really properly imagine to begin to 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 feel how you may feel. Ruth Morrissey, and I mean, I read the news bulletin here last Wednesday when uh, on, the, on the day of Ruth's funeral uh, and the CEO of the HSE, Paul Reid, apologising to her as she was being laid to rest. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think that's what drove me over the edge, to be honest. I mean, I, I you know, this is not the first funeral I've been to, unfortunately, um, over the last two years of women who have died from this disease. Uh, we had Laura Brennan last year. 
Uh, another friend of mine, Tracy Brennan, who died um, in May last year uh, at 33. Laura Brennan was 26. Uh, we had Emma Vic Fahona, who died uh, the year before at, um, no, sorry, last October at 37. You know, these are all young women and all young women um, either not in the position to have a family or leaving very small children behind. And in Ruth's case, you know, she took a, a court case um, which the state appealed. I mean, the labs, we were expecting that they would appeal, but we thought that the state would not appeal, but they did. They had a choice. Uh, they chose to appeal, uh, knowing that this would probably, you know, drive her into her grave, to be honest. Um, and they, they, they lost that appeal. You know, the Supreme Court uh, unanimously uh, over, uh, uh, you know, held up the judgment in the original case. Um, um, the only thing they overturned was one part of the appeal by the state, which I, I actually understand. Um, the state had been held uh, vicariously liable, or the HSE, for the actions of the labs, which really, you know, I understand that that was overturned, so they're not held uh, liable for the actions of the labs, which mm-hmm. they can't be, because the labs are over in the US. Mm-hmm. But they were held liable for the um, oversight of the service check program, the responsibility. They were actually trying to absolve themselves of all responsibility for the service checks screening program, which actually beggars belief, to be honest, you know. I mean, a woman goes in for a smear test here in Ireland and you go into a hospital that's operated by the HSE and a doctor that is paid by the HSE. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to think that they were trying to absolve themselves of that responsibility, you know, it just really is staggering, to be honest. And then, you know, to, to, to kind of add insult to injury, to come out and apologise to Ruth on, on the day she was being laid to rest, that actually drove me over the edge, to be honest. And I can understand why. Do you think, um, I mean, her husband, again, you know, he, he spoke so eloquently and no apology can bring his wife back. Um, so I think we're, we're clear on where he stands on this apology. Yeah. Far too little, far too late in, in, in the day. I mean, the legal aspect and the state would argue and the government and the state claims agency would argue that an apology is a legal issue. There's a legal technicality. If you apologise for something, you're immediately ad- admitting liability. And so in legal terms, mm-hmm. they couldn't have apologised, they would argue, no, they couldn't at have the time. they couldn't have apologised while she was in the middle of her a case. But, you know, the time for an apology was um, after the 19th of March when the Supreme Court ruled again in Ruth's favour and she won her case. You know, Ruth won her case not once but twice. And at that point, when she won her case, that was the time that they should have apologised. Has anyone made any comment to you privately from any of the authorities that we're talking about and that you'd be dealing with in terms of your own case as well, uh, uh, privately about, you know, any level of regret around the way this has been handled, about the ordeal that you have been taken through, uh, that the ordeal that, 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 that Ruth and yourself and Emma and, and other women who found themselves in this situation, as you say, quite a number of whom have now died. Has anyone said to you privately, we're actually really regretful of the way this has played out, but there's a reason why it's being played out in this manner? God, no. I mean, who, who, you know, that would be admitting that they're wrong, you know, so that's uh, never going to happen, you know. Um, but, I mean, this is the whole point of me writing that piece of the paper. You know, I think people need to realise that, uh, you know, these token gestures that, uh, you know, we get from government every now and then about, oh, you know, we, do, we don't want to drag any more women through the court, mm. but yet nothing is going to change unless we bring in legislation or bring in a non-adversarial type of situation in, 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 in courtrooms where, uh, you know, victims are not uh, literally the only ones being asked questions and being put um, uh, up on the stand, basically, you know. 
um, until we have a situation where that changes, you know, this is just going to keep happening. You know, I mean, this this is going back to the time of the Bridget Cole, Bridget McCall case up in Donegal. I mean, this, this is no different really to what happened to her back then. And that was back in the 90s. And, you know, people said then this will never happen again. Mm. Yet here we are. And we see it regularly as well with medical negligence cases as well. And, and um, people who are taking actions on behalf of their children who uh, maybe Absolutely. suffer horrific Im- images or uh, uh, damages rather at, at birth. It's such a waste. All the way, way, every step of the way, every step of the way. And you'll have judges make comments and you have judges who have over the over years made comments uh, while winding up a court case and making an award to somebody who's been wronged and somebody who's been damaged, saying that the HSE in particular needs to look and the state authorities need to look at uh, some form of of, of, um, mitigation in these cases, that there needs to be um, some mechanism where by an apology can be made and the the onus is not on the on the person who's been injured to continually fight and fight and fight and fight and fight exactly. and in this case and in Ruth's case the last 2 years of her life were taken up with fighting the state absolutely um and, and that's you know that's why i just thought it was necessary to kind of make that point that people understand that you know she has been fighting this case for 2 years I took my case in April 2018 and Ruth started her case in July 2018 and it actually only finalised, you know, the last piece um, uh, of, 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 of the puzzle was literally finished after she died, you know, last week. So that'll tell you how long that's taken. You know, yeah. it's scandalous to think that that... And that was hanging over her head for two years. And, you know, in March when the Supreme Court came back with their ruling, you know, she did... She was obviously relieved um, that, that um, you know, she was vindicated. But it was in the middle of COVID. Um, you know, it's not like she could celebrate. Uh, you know, at that stage, she knew her daughter's communion wasn't going to go ahead. Okay. And she didn't know how long she had left. So, you know, she didn't even get the time to kind of, you know, celebrate it properly with her family um, because of COVID. You know, she's just had a, she had an awful two years, really, of, of fighting um, the courts and fighting her illness because, you know, she had an awful lot of complications with her with her cancer, far more complicated than than, than mine. You know, she's one of the women um, I've met and I've met many with this disease who had, you know, unbelievably uh, awful complications from, from the illness. You know, she was on crutches, then she ended up in a wheelchair and had spent quite a lot of time in hospice really over the last two years. Now, Stephen Donnelly was a very vocal advocate uh, standing beside you uh, or as close to to beside you as was possible a year ago, 12 months ago, 18 months ago, when uh, the cervical check debacle was sort of playing out, certainly on the public airwaves and and in the media and when when the public were becoming aware of it. He's now the Minister for Health. Uh, Has he been Um, in touch with you? No, Stephen Donnelly never stood beside us at any point. Well, I heard him on the airwaves regularly talking about what a scandal this was and how horrific this was and how things needed to change and how these women, you know, needed not to be dragged through the courts process. That, well, for, for me, it was Alan Kelly who did that with us. Uh, Alan Kelly was regularly in touch with us and making uh, statements uh, in leaders' questions and um, putting in parliamentary questions at the time. Stephen Donnelly never, has never made contact with me in the last few years, never. So do you have any, I mean, you've made very clear in your letter, you don't want tributes, you don't want aide-de-coms at your funeral, you don't want accolades, you want action, you want change. Do you have any faith that the current government, the new administration, will take any of those moves toward change? I hope so. I mean, that that's why I wrote that letter, because we now have a new government. Um, so, it's, you know, it, it's, it's 
time to see whether they will take up uh, where where the last government left off. I mean, all of the asks that I'm asking for are already in train. Most of them are in draft form. It's not like they have to go off and write legislation and write new pieces. Um, and what are they? Bills, what what know. what specifics are? Uh, what specifics do you need? So we need to introduce mandatory open disclosure. That's included in the patient safety bill, which is an already already in draft form. So we've been promised um, Michal Martin running yesterday. Um, and, you know, we're going to work on this until we get all the bits in place. You know, he's promised that that will happen. So, you know, one of the thing, the big things for us is mandatory open disclosure. So that will go through as a, as a bill in September when the oil comes back after their summer recess. Um, another piece of legislation that Adam Kelly is bringing forward um, is a civil liability, an amendment to the Civil Liabilities Act. Because what has happened now in the, in the wake of Ruth's case is that... Um, People will have to, and this isn't just because of the cervical check cases, this is just some kind of anomaly that was happening with um, medical negligence cases, um, fatal injury cases they're called over the last 10 years that they kind of decided to use a test case to kind of clean these things up. So basically, when somebody dies, um, you can, you know, in the cases to date like mine and Emma's and Ruth's, our, our next of kin were able to claim for kind of future losses, if you know what I mean, for loss of earnings and loss yeah. of kind of the caregiving role. Yeah. That can't happen anymore in a case where the woman is still alive. So uh, the family would have to take a second case mm-hmm. after they die. You know, so, okay. you know, so even at that, the, 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 exactly. the, the process is not over for the families. Exactly. So that's why, um, you know, legislation needs to be brought in to amend the Civil Liabilities Act. So Alan Kelly has promised to do that. Um, so that women don't, and families don't have to go to court for a second time. Um, and the big one, I suppose, the big one for Ruth, I think, and for, you know, to honour all of the women who have died as a result of this, is to commit to the establishment and the resourcing of the National Laboratory for Cervical Testing, which they, you know, made a commitment to a year ago, and we've heard nothing about it since. And the thornish there was on the Week in Politics uh, yesterday, or the day before yesterday, and has committed that that, that 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 will happen so I want you know we want to see action that that will definitely happen and bring screening home you know at the moment we have 90% of smears are being outsourced you know at, at the time of my court case that was 45% it's now 90% because one of the big labs that we were dealing with has pulled out of Ireland so we need to get screening back home uh, in order to have a screening programme that all women in this country can trust so there's a big one. I want to ask you, because obviously we've had, uh, you know, all of the shocks that I think the public learned when the cervical check scandal first emerged. Things about outsourcing, things about delays, things about misreading and errors. And in, in, in Ruth's case, multiple times on multiple occasions and for, for quite a number of the women. We now have a situation whereby screening services for cervical cancer had all but halted for a period of a number of months. Now, albeit it's because of a global pandemic, nobody could necessarily foresee this. But do you have a fear that this is now causing yet more backlogs and that we are going to be in a situation where we're going to be hearing about more women like you, like Irene Teep, like Emma Vicvahuna, uh, like Orla Church, like Ruth in years to come? Yeah, and I mean, I've spoken about this over the last couple of months throughout COVID. You know, I've written a few articles about this to say, you know, to, to, to try and make sure that we get screening back as soon as possible. I understood, like everyone did, um, that, you know, with COVID, all of the, um, you know, the, the services and um, the staff and the focus had to be on, on trying to deal with COVID. But we're at a stage now where, you know, we have it under control and screening is back up and running, you know, with a couple of weeks. Yeah. But there is going to be a huge backlog and there are going to be people who are unfortunately are going to have delayed diagnosis as a result of, of COVID because, uh, you know, some cancers are much more aggressive than others. Yeah. Um, and it is why I've been kind of pleading with people, anybody with symptoms throughout COVID to go and see their GPs or to ring their GPs at least if they couldn't go in and see them. 
because people with symptoms were being seen urgently uh, in clinics. Um, because what we don't want to see is, you know, an, an awful lot of people um, being diagnosed at a later stage with cancer because, you know, that just increases your chances of, you know, not, not um, beating this disease, basically. So, yeah. unfortunately, I do think we are going to see a, a number of, of delayed diagnoses as a result of COVID, yes, and not just for cancer. I mean, that would be the same for, you know, there's, you know a, a huge increase in strokes and mm-hmm. heart, uh, heart attacks, yeah. you know, lots of other issues. Yeah, and I know the HSE certainly in recent weeks um, trying to get that message across and 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 let us know that in actual fact, uh, you know, we do. If you get your your letter for cervical check to attend your smear, do don't put it off. Go make that appointment with the GP straight away. Vicky Phelan, thank you so much for your time, and I wish you uh, all the very best for the future. And I hope that you're not uh, fighting this fight. And I hope that as you've detailed in your letter, it, you know, it's not tributes and accolades that you get; that it is action. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.